Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And what's up, what's up? Welcome in. Special Tuesday edition of GC Live. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. Thanks for joining us. We'll give everybody a little bit of time to hop on because I know on y'all's end, I did not do a great job of sort of putting it out there exactly what time we're going to be on and didn't have my links set either. So um going to be definitely a, uh, a show about the people. We'll, we'll get your questions in and let you sort of steer the show. Um, again, I'm Wes. He's Chris. This show is brought to you, as always, by our good buddy at Clint, Clint Hammond at Mortgage Network. Check him out, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Or if you prefer just to, to go online, you can, of course, do that and maybe shoot Clint an email, chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. He is, of course, the branch manager of our Columbia Mortgage Network Um right across from Dreer High School. So if you're in the area, you can actually just stop by, tell Clint what's up, and he'll get you hooked up with a mortgage, whether you are an experienced investor or a first-time home buyer, never a better time to buy a house right now. Uh, Chris, uh, what's up, man? What's going on, man? Good to be here. We're, uh, we're coasting in hot, coming in hot on this show today. Lots going on. I'm catching up from um, a couple days sort of, just spending a little time with the family out of town, getting back in the swing of things. Yeah, here here we are. So, I, you know, man, I, I figure at this point, not a lot of breaking news since we did the last show. So maybe we use this time sort of to, to catch up a little bit, dive back into some details potentially, going to talk a little bit of recruiting and um, maybe talk some quarterbacks again. I, I know we talked some quarterbacks last week. Um, since that time, I guess it's not really a fresh new offer anymore, but since that time, South Carolina has extended an offer to uh, Drew Alar, um, a, a kid that very, very talented quarterback, and we'll, we'll dive into him a little bit later on. Um, yeah, what's up to everybody in the chat? Uh, Jeremy, Daniel, Miss Lynn, um, J-E-E, and, and yeah, the sun is shining. I honestly thought there was a little – sort of deal in the back of my mind where I was like, we may never see the sun again, but the sun is out. It is shining in my window right now. And speaking of windows, Chris, there's not a window behind you anymore. So nice segue. Very well done. No we could, um, Is it possible we are seeing, we're not seeing the beginnings yet, but are we seeing sort of the setup for a possible Chris background? You're seeing the evolution of the background. We have gone from window to now to the wall. Yes. Not sure what Sherwin Williams brand this is, but we got that. Now we have to figure out, obviously right now, limited space right here. So right now we could do dead socksy socks pinned against the wall. We could do that. We could do something small here. We might go out a little bit, change the view up. We'll have to see. But yes, the process is evolving and uh, as we speak. And so at some point there will be actual 
materials or some such uh, back behind me. But I, I have graduated. I'm, I'm proud to say. And so hopefully everybody enjoys the gray instead of the window. And I'm, I'm telling you, for the right price, um, if anybody out there owns a, a business, I can promise you for the right price, you can have a logo right over Chris's head. I'll, I mean, I will write it on the wall if you want me to. We can write it. We can do a sticker. We can do a banner. It really doesn't matter. I'll hold, I'll hold it up the whole time if we have to. It really doesn't matter. So, yeah, hit us up and let us know. Um, and so JE says that looks like agreeable gray. I don't know. I don't know if that's a real real thing. No, JE this, I don't know if this is agreeable gray, but that is really funny. You said that because we just redid our downstairs bathroom and it is agreeable gray. Um, That's a real thing. It is a real thing. Very popular color, um, is my understanding. And so we did go with that downstairs. I feel like this might be a different color. And, of course, as we know, the light hits it a little bit differently. It looks a little bit mm, darker maybe here than it actually is. Yes. Yeah. I, it seems like you see gray in a, in a lot of, like, modern-looking houses these days. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. It seems like this there's a lot of gray. an interior design show. Yes. Um <laughs> Anyway, y'all. All right, we're getting the people. The, hopefully, the people that know us and are on the show all the time are still sticking around. The people that are like just joining in for the first time are like, "Get me off! What am I listening to? What am I watching?" Um. Anyway, we're gonna talk a little twenty twenty two recruiting, and I think Chris, I, I get the impression that it was kind of a whirlwind at first. You know, Shane Beamer's trying to put the staff together. Then the staff is, is in, but there, there's changes. And you're you're kind of in that point where you're trying to sort of fix the 2021 class and finish the 2021 class. And leading up to that second signing day, that sort of had to be the focus. That had to be the biggest focus, at least. You're always looking ahead. Don't get me wrong. But that had to be priority number one. Now, I think – the staff has sort of been able to sit down, get settled in. Apparently, watching probably thousands of hours of film from the number of offers that have gone out recently. But I think this is pretty normal. This, to me, is each individual coach sort of setting their own board at their position and getting offers out. You know, I mean – if you have one coaching change, like a different position coach, he comes in and he sort of sets his um, his board. Well, you have an entire new staff coming in. So you have that going on at every single position. And you have guys reaching out to their areas, touching base with their prior connections, making new connections, and – that is probably the easiest way to explain why we have had these this flurry of offers maybe the last three, four, probably last month or so, really. Yeah, great point. I mean, it, it, part of it's just trying to catch up a little bit, you know, the craziness of the transition period. Um, and, and, I mean, look, everybody to some degree is dispensing offers now. It's the off season. the 21 class has just finished maybe a little bit more so for South Carolina with, with a brand new staff coming on board. Right. But one trend that we have seen that you hit on Wes was some of these um, 
some of these prior connections that have led to new offers. You know, I think a couple off the top of my head that the, the last story I published this morning on Gamecock Central and one that'll be coming this afternoon or tomorrow, you know, Peter Kikwata from uh, Maryland was a guy that Justin Stepp offered at Arkansas, knew at Arkansas. Uh, we'll have a, a story coming with him soon. And sort of just doubling back to, you know, renew the interest, let him know, hey, still like you, still interested in you. I'm at South Carolina now. We've seen Stepp with several of those, you know, guys in Texas, guys from all over West started, of course, in the Palmetto State and worked out. Um, another one uh, that we ran this morning on a, on an athlete, talented athlete out of Alabama from Fairfield, Alabama, um, you know, that was actually a guy that Stepp had talked to at Arkansas as well, had talked to at South Carolina. And then Torian Gray ended up offering him because he could play on either side of the ball. So we're seeing a lot of those things with, you know, guys that at their previous stop, they were familiar with some kids, had some connections with some kids, and now they're sort of doubling back. And, of course, there's new guys that have that have been emerging too that just in the course of watching prospects in the southeast and all around the country that they found. But um, has, like you said, man, has definitely been a flurry. Definitely can tell that the staff is sort of working down the checklist, so to speak, of – different guys we knew for instance at quarterback that South Carolina you know they offered Tanner Bailey out of Alabama they op- that we knew that they were looking at Taven Jackson from Indiana Drew Alar from Ohio ended up offering both of those guys in succession just sort of working through those steps and now you know the board isn't clear by any means for 2022 because there's so many guys with offers it'll narrow down from there uh, but we've definitely seen a lot of activity you know from that 22 class in the way of offers yeah, and I'm I'm very curious, Chris. I, I think there is a an interesting aspect to all of this that basically has never been the case before. On top of the not you know the not being able to take visits right now aspect, but you have um, for the first time, I believe ever, certainly in modern recruiting, you're gonna have a spring season for for some of these places. So, and for South Carolina. You have that right up the road in North Carolina. There, there are several guys that I'm sure are on South Carolina's recruiting board and are known sort of players, known prospects that they're interested in, maybe even really like, but you maybe are waiting just a little bit longer because, I mean, those seasons start, Chris, I think it's next week. Um if not the week after, but I think it's next week. Those seasons starting very soon. So if you're sort of trying to want to – you're wanting to know who's made that big jump. And a lot of times you do see a jump from, you know, sophomore to junior year or junior to senior year. Um, in the case of these guys, you're sort of getting – you're getting a preview of, of their senior year, some of them, but it's right now because you missed getting – the, la- the last time you saw these kids, some of them, was when they were sophomores. So they didn't have an actual junior season. This will count as their junior season. So you're getting sort of a preview of their senior year, or maybe you're getting, in some cases, a, a preview of the junior year. So I-, I think it'll be interesting to see with these 2022s, those are the rising seniors, how how many guys have made that big jump, and then do we see an offer spree in the state of North Carolina with South Carolina, because we know I've made this, and it's not a secret. Every, you know, everybody in this industry says this, but North Carolina has to be a key 
for South Carolina. And right now, Mac Brown is making life difficult on everybody in that state. So for me, uh, it, it's it's very important for South Carolina to continue to try to build some inroads there, but it'll be something to watch this spring that generally it is not an aspect that we're watching because there's no spring football. So I think that'll be fun to see which guys pop up in the next couple months. Yeah, North Carolina, um, you know, Virginia, um, some some other states sort of in that northeast, that DMV sort of region that we know Shane Beamer has a lot of connections in, plans on being active in. And so obviously there's guys that they've already offered, whether it's from North Carolina, Virginia, but like you said, man, some guys in the 22, 23, 24 classes, we've seen offers go out for all those classes recently. You would have to think that there's going to be more forthcoming. And the, the spring season makes things very interesting in recruiting, makes it interesting on the field. Wes, just remember the other day when we we're talking about on-field stuff, Gamecocks season opening opponent, Eastern Illinois, set to kick off their season, their 2020 season, on Sunday. Uh, they, they play – uh, this Sunday, uh, coming off a 1-11 campaign last year, obviously pushed their season to the spring in their league, and they're playing an abbreviated seven-game schedule. I think they finish up April 11th. So really going to be fascinating to see you know, how that affects things um, for, for Eastern Illinois and other programs like that who are playing a spring season that, you know, of course, is last year's season technically. And then springing forward to this year, you know, how they're going to handle that. But lots of implications, you know, for, for the spring football period. Another thing to sort of keep an eye on, look out for in the coming weeks is just what the NCAA, I think, is going to do with in-person recruiting. You know, we know that there's a recommendation that's been put on the table to extend the dead period again until the end of May. Seems a little ridiculous. Lots of people pretty upset about it. We'll see what happens. Uh, as of right now, it's through April, right? And so uh, that has basically, you know, eliminated uh, a lot of, you know, all the in-person recruiting activities until then. But uh, will will they modify things? Will they reopen recruiting? I don't know. You have to think, Wes, that things are going to return to some level of normalcy this summer, this season. But so far, that hasn't happened. So lots of really interesting stuff going on in terms of timing and in terms of the logistics of recruiting now in the 22 class and beyond. Yeah. Not, not, you know, not to go all up into stuff with the virus, but I, you got to think that the sort of vaccine and, and how many people were able to get vaccinated and um, how readily available that is, if they're able to sort of match the plans for that moving forward and actually get the vaccine in enough arms to me, probably will, will, be a huge factor in all this stuff. Are, are you going to be able to have fans at a practice or two? Are you going to be able to have a spring game like normal? Yep. Are, you know, are recruits going to be able to be on campus? I know you really don't want to go through another off season where these guys are not able to visit at all. And, you know, here's the thing, man. We know the transfer portal is, Transfer portal would have been a huge deal regardless, but I'm telling you, this thing is going to – we're pouring gasoline on this fire because it's going to be from both ends. And what I mean by that is you're going to have kids that, A, just first and foremost, imagine let's – take, let's take athletics out of it. Imagine you're going off to a school. Maybe it's not the local school. 
you're going two or three states away. Imagine you're a Florida kid going to Ohio State. You've never stepped foot in the state of Ohio in your life. So we can take athletics out of it. There's going to be a lot of homesick kids who chose a school without ever stepping foot on campus. And here's the thing. College football, yeah, I'm sure there's some really glorious aspects of it. And, you know, being the guy, you know, being big man on campus, being a superstar, sure, it's great. Get a lot of girls on campus, right? But if your freshman year, it's not easy what these kids go through. I mean, all the work they put in behind the scenes to get to that point that most of us never see, it's not easy at all. So, you know, I I believe you're going to have guys transferring um, at an unbelievable rate just based on that alone. Then, Chris, let's take into account there were no spring evaluations last year. There were no summer camps for evaluations last year. And no one, no one being the coaches, was able to go to high school football games and evaluate in person. So I believe you're going to have mis-evaluations on both ends in that you're going to have guys playing at Power 5 schools that were really good earlier in their high school careers and never got better. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in the transfer portal transferring down. And then you're going to have more. We're always going to have these things but there's going to be more of them, more yeah. your Jordan Strongs, guys that start out raw players with upside. Kid walks on at Georgia State as a freaking defensive back, and now he's playing edge rush for South Carolina um, in the SEC. You're always going to have those, but I believe that you're going to have an unmeasurable amount of those situations moving forward. And it's it's going to be tough on the kids. It's going to be tough on the coaches. It's going to be hard to build a culture when you're going to have guys in and out and in and out. So, I, I, dude, throw in name, image, and likeness. The next three to four years is going to be a mess for college football. It is. Um, and, and, you know, in the coaching industry to sort of – put some of these little storylines in compartments. You know, we, we are seeing more and more college coaches, Wes, come to covet NFL jobs because they're going, ah, recruiting the way it is now, uh, this name, image, likeness stuff, that it's really going to complicate things. And, and so it's not as much about coaching ball as it is being a marketer and a brander. And some guys like that. Others who just want to coach ball are more like, ah, let's, you know, let's move to the NFL. So those jobs have become – more coveted, but you're right. There's so many different factors that are coming up in these college football programs. And, you know, you hit on name, image, likeness. I mean, we could do an entire show about that and what it may look like, what, what the implications are going to be. I think one thing we're going to see is most kids and their families, high school coaches and trainers and all these different people are going to want their question is going to be, how can I get a piece of this? The answer is for most people, it's not going to mean much. But that's not going to be what they think. You know what I mean? Like most kids coming out of high school, if they're signing to play college football, a lot of them, we, we talk to enough of them, Wes, and there's nothing wrong with this, but a lot of them think 
I'm going to go to the NFL. Most of them don't. It's just the reality. It's just the statistics, whatever may happen. So maybe they get injured. Maybe they don't find the right fit. They don't develop. There's all sorts of different factors. I think name image likeness is going to be the same where uh, the, the schools that do well with it as a recruiting tool are going to have these things in place, whether it's partnering with the firm, coming up with a cool name for their internal program. And a lot of it's just going to be part of this like facilities arms race where it's just who can build the biggest, the most new, the most shiny. That's going to be the deal, I think, with name, image, likeness. Who's got the coolest sounding program? We're going to brand you. We're going to market you. We're going to partner with Jeremy Darlow. We're going to do all these different things. For most people, it's not going to mean a lot. You know, um, you look at NFL rosters, 53-man roster in the NFL. Uh, most guys don't get much in the way of marketing. You know, if you're the, the uh, special teams player for the Carolina Panthers, you're not out here getting endorsement deals left and right. Um, at the local level, some are going to get some in college. Uh, but, but you know, the, the guys who are superstars in college football are going to gobble up anything national. There's only so many spots to go around. But, man, I mean, like I said, I, I could just – I could go on and on about that and the potential implications, but it's just – it really is with the transfer portal, with recruiting and marketing, branding, with NLI, so many different factors that are coming up in college football now Man, I find myself thinking a lot about how different it is now us covering this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Jay, 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 I always tell when I'm reading the comments. Um, absolutely. Um, you guys keep it interesting. I'll give you that. Uh, let, let's talk before we go into 2022 um, and some specifics. Let's hit on what could be the final 2021. And South Carolina potentially going into the transfer portal again with um, a senior grad transfer defensive back, Carlin Splatel. Uh, this is a kid that's at Assumption College, someone that has uh, really sort of burst onto the scene here the last couple weeks or so. Chris, from what I was told, Coastal Carolina was really the first sort of bigger school to hop in on this kid. and. I believe thought they they had a steal. Um, I, I don't think anybody was really tracking him a whole lot or knew much about him. But then the film starts circulating. Maybe word that Coastal's on him starts circulating. Some bigger schools start uh, start asking around. South Carolina comes in. Mississippi State comes in. Uh, Gamecocks have offered. Mississippi State have offered, and they actually are going to do a virtual visit with him today. It's really sort of the only choice you have these days. You can't do an actual real visit like we, you know, like we used to see. But virtual visit today looks like a decision could be coming pretty shortly after that. And um, you know, Chris, this, this is a guy. Let, let's be honest. Whenever people say Assumption College, they're like, "Wait, what?" Um, but I, you know, I turned on the film of this kid, man, and. He's a bigger kid. He's got some length, not scared to hit you, has some ball skills to him. Um, again, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be very hard to put realistic expectations on some of these transfers because there's going to be a jump in uh, the competition. We we know that. Top, you know, top end speed against SEC receivers, carrying guys down the field, stuff like that. Very, very hard to tell on film. But as far as size, 
some athleticism, some toughness, some physicality. Um, I actually do think there, there's a lot to like about this kid. He was on, much like Jason Brown, I found, uh, you know, some profiles of this kid as being one of those, hey, here's an under-the-radar guy that could be an NFL player. Here's a guy to watch. So you're um, – I don't know if you've watched this yet. Those of you who are watching on video as opposed to the audio stream um, are able to see his film right now. Chris, uh, what are your thoughts on the kid? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting player. Again, South Carolina, this cycle has to be extremely resourceful. We, we've talked about this really almost ad nauseum, so I'm not going to go into the whole spiel again, Wes, but just how unique these circumstances were for South Carolina, for Shane Beamer, um, having you know the early signing period right around the corner, uh, when he got the job, having the late signing period, and then just needing help at certain spots. So we've seen them hit the portal for – help at several different spots and, and be resourceful. And this is another example. We knew, you know, exiting sort of the, the two signing periods, I think we're on the same page, Wes, and thinking that, you know, if you looked and said, okay, from a number standpoint, what could South Carolina really stand to add? We talked about this on a show recently. And I think we both said, hey, and if there's a dynamite proven receiver out there, maybe you go get him. But other than that, DB, like is what is what you pick for that spot. And so I think this makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I don't I don't ever look at a guy, just completely rule him out because of him, you know, coming from some particular school. It's almost like the Nick Muse thing. People went nuts about William and Mary. If you recruited 25 William and Mary level guys a year in the SEC, you're going to get beat a lot, right? Same thing with assumption football players. But they've had some guys, never had a player drafted. Carlin Spatel will maybe become the first, but they have had a few guys who have made NFL rosters and been in the NFL. And every year we see small school guys pop up. So obviously there can be good players at this level. So the question is, did you find one? And based on, you know, offer list, as you laid out earlier, Wes, there's some things to like about this guy. Length, range, some ball skills, physicality, good disposition in terms of his aggressiveness. Ed plays a need position for South Carolina where they simply need some numbers. They need some guys that can, um, that have some talent that give them some potential depth on the back end. Well, and, and Chris, as it was pointed out to me, we don't really think about things from this standpoint, but they, they lost so many guys at defensive back. You're literally having to bring in numbers to be able to practice, like to be able to have, you know, enough guys on both sides there um, and enough depth to be able to have, a, you know, a first team, a second team, and and then, you know, of course your scout team. So, the, the numbers there, when you talk about losing a Johnny Dixon, losing a Jamie Robinson, um, of course, they didn't expect to have a J.C. Horn or probably even an Izzy McQuamu back, you know, even when the season started. But still, you start adding up the number of kids you, you've lost at that position. Um, never good to lose, you know, five, six guys at, at one spot in, in one offseason. So you, you have that to, you know, that's a factor there. Is it fair to be like, okay, this kid's going to come in and be J.C. Horn? Absolutely not. And we're, we're sitting here talking like South Carolina's gotten him. To be clear, he's not committed anywhere yet. Probably comes down to South Carolina and Mississippi State. Uh, from what we understand, South Carolina is, you know, in, is on him pretty hard, wants him to be a part of their class, and would essentially take up that final spot that counts directly, you know, towards 2021. But – um you know, Chris, I, I think there's an interesting sort of new 
I don't want to say new factor, but just new discussion piece here. And that is, I've noticed people on our message board there on Gamecock Central. Come sign up, by the way. Use code Gamecocks, 50% off your first year. On the Insider Forum, there's this question of, okay, where where are the Power Five transfers? And, and South Carolina does have, you know, Amari and Brown, Power Five transfer. Um, my question, though, Chris, is are you necessarily better off just using that as your standard? Like, all oh, this guy's played Power Five ball. Because if – if they were already at a power five school and they're transferring out, there is a reason they're leaving. So I, I wouldn't, or I, I would argue that all power five guys are not created equal as far as the transfer portal goes. Now there are, there are some that any school in the country would love to have, particularly, you know, at quarterback, you can be an outstanding. We've seen this. Um, you know, Fields was was a transfer. Joe Burrow was a transfer. At quarterback, you can be a heck of a player and just be behind an older guy. We've seen that. And, you know, there are every year there's going to be a handful of guys who just aren't happy and are really good and transfer out. But if you're South Carolina, you're not at the point yet where you're just getting the, the true five-star type guys. So if you take that as a fact right now, are you are you better off taking a power five guy who maybe hasn't really played at all versus playing someone who fits this other mold that we were talking about earlier with the transfer portal in that they were probably under recruited i mean just just looking at the film i can tell you this kid could have played at a bigger quote bigger school than assumption whether or not he's an all sec guy you know a year from now or not i can tell you the, the guy got under-recruited. So are you better off going for Power 5 guys who haven't played or going for non-Power 5 guys that have played a ton and are looking to do it on a little bit higher level? There's no easy answer to that question. It's too open-ended of a question, and every player is created different. But I don't think we should get in this thing of just saying, well, oh, where's the Power 5 guys? That, that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing is, Look, this is still recruiting. When you're talking about the transfer portal, it's still recruiting. We've talked about this before, Wes, in that um, a lot of guys that enter the portal have some idea or a full idea sometimes of what they want to do. You know, and, and there are different reasons. I mean, sometimes, I mean, Justin Fields, of all people, didn't play at Georgia. Joe Burrow didn't play. You know, I mean, but but those cases, for all of those, there's a Tate Martell. You know, not to pile on the guy, but like – they're different scenarios. Sometimes power five guys enter the portal because they need to go down a level. Sometimes guys go in the portal from a lower level because they need to go up because they're better than the level they're on. So it just depends. And so it comes down to the sort of the cornerstones of recruiting. You got to make good evaluations in it. You got to be smart, resourceful. You got to make sure you're evaluating. Well, Uh, look at your needs, put trust your eyes, put, put them on a player and, and make a good call on it. And you also, if you do have a guy that goes in the portal who's truly assessing options, you still have to go recruit him. So, look, if, if South Carolina lands Carlin Spatel, this would be, what, number eight, Wes? Not going to land eight Power Five transfers. They're not. I, I don't know if – if I mean, pick an example. If, if the University of Georgia said, for some reason, 
we're taking eight transfers this year. I don't know that all of them would be from Oklahoma, Miami, Texas. Like they, they would probably go down a level and, hey, let's take this Georgia Southern guy. You know, I mean, J.R. Reed, who started for them a while back, was, I think, a Baylor transfer or something, or Tulsa, something like that. So they, um, you know, it, it comes down to just still, for me, the basic tenets of recruiting, which is you got to make good evaluations, no matter, you know, where a guy's from, what his ranking may be, whatever. Now, Carolina's not going to grab eight guys out of the portal every year. They're not going to do that in 2022. And no, they're not going to take transfers from Assumption and Georgia State and all these places every year either. But this is just a really, really unique year where they need some guys who can come in and play. And so in some regard, you're balancing taking a guy who has college experience, albeit at a lower level, and weighing it versus what can you get from the high school or the junior college ranks. And they've done that at several spots this cycle. Yeah, so we'll be interesting. And, and as always, man, we really, we really find, find out, out after they come play. You know, so it, it'll be a little bit earlier than, you know, with a high school kid, you're talking three or four years, we'll know. But these guys are talking one or two years, uh, depending on eligibility and the situation they come into. But certainly will be something interesting to track. By the way, if you are listening or watching and you are a Carolina baseball fan, the Gamecocks uh, start their season this weekend against Dayton. That's at home. Hopefully we get weather like this as opposed to weather like we had the last week. Um, I think I can go ahead and speak for Colin Taylor. I haven't asked him yet, but we're going to have him on on Friday. I'm sure he'll make some time for us. We'll have Colin on to talk a bit about the baseball season, what to expect this weekend, and what to expect moving forward. But while we were doing the show here today, uh, Mark Kingston announcing uh, with our buddies over at the JB and Goldwater show that um, South Carolina will start Thomas Farr on Friday, Brandon Jordan on Saturday, and Julian Bostic on Sunday. That is South Carolina's opening weekend uh, starting rotation for uh, the South Carolina baseball team. So a little bit of breaking news from our buddies over there at JB and Goldwater. Of course, I do their show every Monday. And uh, good dudes who had Kingston on, um, I guess, about, I don't know, in the last 10, 15 minutes or so. Let's go into some 2022s, Chris. And I always think people like to hear about quarterbacks, maybe more so than any other position, because it, it is it's a glamour position. It's the position that uh, we, we know it gets the blame when things go bad. It gets the um, love when things are going well. And clearly a, a position that's going to be important for South Carolina as they try to build this 2022 class. We know what happened with Gunnar Stockton replacing him. I tend to think, man, once – once they get sort of rolling, they're going to be fine with 2023. They've already got an offer out to 2024 kid in state and Jalen Davis, you know, plenty early enough for that position at the other classes. The one you really sort of look at and say, what direction is this thing going to go? 2022. I tend to think, generally speaking, you're going to sort of have to maybe find a guy, Chris, that um, may, maybe some spots start filling up at other places and you sort of have to find that, that right spot because a lot of teams are only taking one and you got to be very, very, again, resourceful about finding a dude who can play um, knowing you're a little bit behind through no fault of your own because you're a, you know, a, a new coaching staff, a guy that I know, I know it seems South Carolina's high on Chris. I know you're high on him. I'm high on him. Very impressive kid. 
that South Carolina offered. He's among this group that they've offered recently. You mentioned some of them earlier in the show. But Drew Alar, someone that, Chris, I would say, once again, we talked about this last week, fits that uh, description of being the guy who can make these off-platform throws and really can deliver the football from uh, about any angle watching him on film. This guy is someone that um, he's blown up in terms of offers recently, and you can see why. I think this is a guy that's going to eventually be talked about in terms of pro potential a lot because he he checks just all these boxes, Wes. I mean, he just looks like a pro guy. He's big in the pocket. He he looks like who's the kid, Josh Allen or something. I mean, in terms of stature. I mean, he's six, he's six five. Um, I'm not comparing him to Josh Allen, guys, but yeah, yeah you he, are. <laughs> yeah, instant first round pick. But no, he's he's six four, six five. He obviously has size in the pocket. He's a big kid, and his arm talent is really off the charts. You see him, I mean, he can step up and make your prototypical <laughs> throws. Look at that right there. Moving to his left. We, we got to run that one back. Hold run on. that one back. I mean, and you see him here navigating the pocket with his eyes downfield. Really impressive. So he can stand back and just make throws like this, but he can also make, like you said, Wes, those off-platform throws where he's throwing across his body, he's throwing three-quarters, he's throwing sidearm, and and sort of climbing the pocket and navigating around the pocket. It is. Really, really impressive. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Jeez. I mean, he, he puts it he puts it right in the guy's breadbasket, um, throwing sidearm, moving to his left as a right-hander. So really, really impressive, uh, you know, in terms of the physical tools for Drew Alar and we figured once we heard of South Carolina's interest in this guy that it was probably just going to be a matter of time. But he's blown up lately as two. Uh, don't have a great sense, Wes, in terms of the chances for South Carolina to pull this guy. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of competition. I see that competition probably just increasing from here, not decreasing. But you're right. I mean, um, in terms of the timing, man, we, we broke it down last show. Quarterbacks commit early, um, sometimes two years out. And so it, the, the one positive that you have said over and over on Gunnar Stockton, and there's not a positive from that except for if you're going to decommit, don't do it late. Let South Carolina sort of get in on some other targets and start building, sort of laying that groundwork. And so whether it's Tanner Bailey from Alabama, Taven Jackson from Indiana, or this kid, Drew Lahr from Ohio, that's something that they're able to do. You know, I, I think we talk a lot about um, we just – Sports people talk a lot more and more about uh, guys playing two sports and, you know, in high school and how that prepares them for the next level, prepare, prepares them for success. Um, I don't know what Drew Lars background is for other sports, but man, it seems like you just have more and more shortstop type kids. He's, uh, he's obviously bigger than, than your typical shortstop, but the ability to throw the football from these arm slots and the way he moves his feet, just reminds me of of a shortstop throwing the football across the diamond, and um, that that's something. Again, we've talked about this. Um, you didn't used to really see that even being mentioned as a positive. In some in some ways, it was mentioned. I mean, Steve Spurrier would be like, "No, <laughs> we ain't, we ain't going this route. We're not doing this." But uh, more and more, that is mentioned as as a positive, and, and you can see why, man. You have to in today's game. You're going to spread out 
you know, you, you have to be able to move around in the pocket a little bit. But more importantly, you have to be able to deliver the football um, with a quickness and with guys around you and from different arm slots in order to, to keep the ball from, you know, from getting batted down. So, like you said, we'll see, you know, who knows if South Carolina's got a great shot with this kid or not. But you can sort of see what they're – based on these offers so far, Chris, I think you sort of just get a feeling already of, of kind of what they're looking for. They're, they're aiming high um, at, at this position, I think. Good to aim high. You, you definitely want to try to aim high and, and take a swing, you know, at a big-time guy, some big-time guys, and see how it shakes out. Again, we we know that South Carolina is in the mix to some degree with Tanner Bailey from Alabama. He's told us as much. You look at some of the other programs involved, uh, it figures that they'll have a, a, at least a decent shot there. You don't know as much on Jackson or Alar. One reason is just the geography, Wes. I mean, you know, Indiana's done a good job on in-state kids under Tom Allen. He's built that program very well. He'll be a huge priority for them. Drew Alar, being from Ohio, you've got Ohio State there. You've got, you know, Penn State. You've got a lot of other schools that reach into Ohio. Uh, so, you know, South Carolina reaching in. We, we don't really know yet, you know, long-term what the staying power is, but certainly a trio of impressive guys. And, and for me, Wes, when I look at these guys, I really, really like Alar. I mean, I, I just – I think his ability to, to throw with all the different arm slots, just the arm talent, the tools that he brings to me are off the charts. And I think there's a lot to work with there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kyle likes your Josh Allen comparison. I, I actually really do too. I'm you're, you're not big on the comparisons, Chris. I know that's not your, you don't enjoy them, but that one was that pretty, a good one? pretty solid. I think. There yeah. I, I like that one. Um, don't ask, don't ask me to do more though. Well, dude, when when you, the difficult part is when you get put on the spot for a comparison, right? Some some guys, some guys, it's just like, oh, that guy reminds me of this. It like comes to you, but the hard ones are when you're like, hey, who's this guy remind you of? I don't know. Like off the top of my head, you know how there's how many people have you watched film of at this point since you've been doing this? I mean. It's very hard to come up with a name just off top, um, you know, to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, Josh, Josh Allen, just pulling up his rival's profile, 5.42 star <laughs> uh, out of Reedley, California, Reedley Community College, 6'5", 215, committed to Wyoming, carried an Eastern Michigan offer as well. So a few people missed on Josh Allen. Hey, you remember I say. Josh Allen was very polarizing during the draft process. You remember that? Because people would say, ah, this guy, I mean, yeah, he's, he's toolsy. He's got a huge arm. But, you know, what will he, you know, they, they also showed the bad plays, you know, the bad throws, the interceptions, whatever. They looked at the numbers. Why, why isn't he doing more? But he's turned out to be a good player, man. That's the case of a guy who had a lot of tools that developed, you know, those tools in his flourish. Well, and, dude, I don't think the guy had ever thrown much over 50% as far as completions until this past season. So, it, even now, as great as he was this year, is there going to be a reg- what do you, you know, a regression to the mean sort of next year? Does it right, sort of right. – does it come back to earth? Um, as we've talked about recently, things tend to even out. So, you know, you may be <laughs> – you may be flying high if you're him this past year, but does it does he come back to earth? Do people find answers? He is still prone sometimes just to throw the football up. I feel like, 
But the physical skills, good grief. Um, man, a two star though, that's that's crazy. You don't you don't even hardly see two stars anymore, I feel like. It's like all it's almost all three stars. But anyway, that's gonna about close it out for us. I do want to talk. I'm scheduled, Chris, to talk to this kid um here shortly, one we've been tracking at the running back position. Jalen Glover, an interesting name, a kid out of Florida. He is a 6A player of the year in Florida and someone that Des Kitchings had South Carolina in in really good shape with. I think that our, speaking of rivals, I think our rivals guys, they they ran an article here recently where they're hearing that South Carolina maybe is still the favorite for Jalen Glover. It's a kid, like I said, really like Des a lot, but um, Terry Hardesty has been in touch and someone I, I think worth tracking as potentially being one of the running backs um, in, in this in this class for South Carolina with 2022. Well, that, that one play that you just showed on the touchdown run, Wes, I, I think that checked the boxes that Monterio Hardesty was talking about the other day that he was looking Ooh. for. You know, making a guy miss. We saw him stick his foot in the ground, cut up field, just leave a defender behind. Uh, we saw the burst. We saw that of getting in the open field. And we also saw finishing the run. A couple guys diving at his legs, and he just sort of shrugged them off. And Jalen Glover, man, I mean, he fits that bigger back mold. He, he's not a big plotter. He can certainly run. He's got some moves. Um, but you look at how his lower body's built. I mean, just watch him on film, guys bouncing off of him. His his thighs are bigger around than I am. Um, so uh, he's he's an impressive dude. And when you when you play at that level and you're the player of the year offensively down in Florida, you're you're doing some things right. He he you know, for his size, he sort of glides and he can run through and around people. So uh, definitely like J Line Glover as a prospect and a guy certainly to watch for South Carolina in this class. And uh, as you're seeing, got got some down the down the field ball skills. Uh, catches the ball pretty naturally. And um, God, they <laughs> these guys are struggling to square him up um, in this film. Got some burst, as you see there. And, and like you said, man, I mean he's he's not the tallest kid. Which running back is one of those spots. Um, it seems like other positions we sort of fall in love with height at times, and for good reason in some cases. But running back, uh, you can you can really play well and, and not be a super tall kid. Sometimes it even works to your advantage. I think he's, he's really in that like five, eight, five, nine type mold, but just is muscular. Um, as you see here again, can make people miss um, bounces off people and has, has that low center of gravity. So he's very difficult to square up combined with the chance, you know, the, the fact that he's very difficult to actually get on the ground. If you do square him up, and uh, and that makes for really a, a pretty pretty unique little skill set there. This play right here, God, I might would have put that play first. You know, they always say put your right uh, put your best play first. Although he had several good ones. There there was one where you were talking where it was like he made two guys miss back to back. Just stuck his foot in the ground and and went and then set another guy up for a move and, and ran by him as well. So. There's a, there's quite a bit of, of impressive film uh, on this tape. Yeah, I mean, again, checks all the boxes. The uh, you know run, runs with power, runs with pace, and um, you know r- really good, really good in space or between the tackles. You know, I, I think 
this this kid will be a great addition to the class. He's probably undervalued. You know, I, I don't know what it is so far. You look at the production. I, I don't know if there's schools, you know, because you look at the offer list, it's good. This is an impressive offer list. But it's not like this guy's ranked as a, you know, a high four-star with a who's who of college football after him. I don't know if they're looking at the height. I don't know what it is. Uh, but when you look at this kid, he, for me, Wes, I mean, he, he checks a lot of the boxes that you look for uh, in a running back. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think we get caught up in measurables. I don't know if it's necessarily just the height, but maybe the fact that the the height plus he's not that elite burner from a speed standpoint, certainly fast enough, but just not that, you know, track burner type guy from, from the looks at it. And, uh, you know, man, I, I think it'll be interesting to see exactly what he weighs in at, uh, you know, next time he does an event or something like that. He's he's listed at 190 on um, on rivals. I think he's already a little bit bigger than that and will be one of these guys that could play at a – at a very compact 205 or maybe even 210 or, or something yeah. like that. So so we'll see where that goes as far as his recruitment. Um, all right, I, I think that's going to about do it for today, Chris. Um, the I guess moving forward, the, the thing for people to watch the next couple of days will be, um, you know, what, what happens with Carlin's Platel. Uh, again, the kid we talked about earlier could be making an announcement uh, in the next day or two. So we'll be tracking that. Baseball, as we said, gets gets started on Friday. Kyle and Taylor, of course, have complete coverage of that moving forward. Um, Mark Kingston announcing his rotation on JB and Goldwater today. And um, I'm trying to think, what else do people need to know? Oh, so South Carolina, if you haven't seen it, South Carolina, Tennessee men's basketball game will be played on Wednesday at 9 o'clock, that getting pushed back from the originally scheduled Tuesday, uh, which is, of course, today. Um, so make sure you're not sitting at your TV waiting on that to start tonight. Um, Chris, what else you got, man? Anything? Nothing else so far, man. Uh, just pushing out a lot more content this week on Gamecock Central. Continuing the Inside the Class series um, that we're you know still finishing out. I think we've released three parts. Just sort of looking back on the 2021 class and more behind-the-scenes stories, inside analysis as to how things came about. So if you want that, more recruiting stories, scoop, insight, coming on the Insiders Forum, make sure you check out the deal that Wes just put up. We'd love to have you. Join all the other people on the show that have joined us along the way. Yep, try the code Gamecocks. You'll get 50% off. That's $50 off your first year on GamecockCentral.com. Appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, if you have a moment, please hit the like button. If you're on Facebook, the like button and subscribe button on YouTube. And, hey, if you're on the podcast side of things, please uh, leave us a, a review or at least rate the podcast and let us know how we're doing. For Chris, I'm Wes. We appreciate the support. Appreciate the time, as always. Next show will be Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday at noon. Uh, we'll be live. Then, of course, as always, you can just listen to it on the podcast. Appreciate y'all. Have a good one. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.